until I got full. You know how much it would take? It would take a bag of carrots, an entire bushel or head of broccoli, two or three apples, and about four bananas before I got full. Somebody say details matter. And then I go, okay, now I know what it takes. So if I want to get the full feeling off of fruit and vegetables, that's as much as I need to eat. And then I started eating it until I felt full. And then I backed off of pizza, kind of like a Weight Watchers thing. Just would have enough, but I would get full off those vegetables. It would be the weirdest thing you would see. You would come to my house. There would be pizza. There would be pasta. There would be Greek food, whatever my wife had prepared that day. And then there would be a big bowl of what you would feed a rabbit. And what I would do is I would have a couple slices of pizza, and then you would just see me until I got full eating all those things. And then you know what? I started to realize, well, that kind of works. So before I would go to your house or go to the barbecue, you know what I would have? About two or three bananas. So when I would show up to the barbecue, I wouldn't be starving. I would already feel somewhat full, and then I began to lose weight. From 286 pounds now to the 220s. Can I get a hand clap for some discipline? Amen. God did it. We're praising the Lord. But didn't God show me some details? You see, the details matter. In today's message, trust me, we're going to get to the Bible. Those who really are excited to see it today, we're going to get into the Bible. But before we do, I want you to look at this chocolate chip recipe here. Now, thank you, my brothers. Let's give it up for them. First try, they got it done. Editors, amen. And there it is. Don't tell your neighbor if you find out what it is, but I want you to look there and tell me why these would be one of the most nastiest chocolate chip cookies you would ever have. Don't tell your neighbor. Take your time, and then if you get it, I want you to raise your hand and then just put it down because I want to see who gets it. I got some folks there, okay? Some folks there, okay? Anybody else? Take your time. Some people getting it now. Let's give it a few more moments. Okay, you got it. Okay, you got it? Okay. What ingredient is off? Salt. A cup of salt. Imagine putting a cup of salt in your chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> I've actually done it before by accident. I didn't taste if it was sugar or salt, but they were in the same place, and I, you know, I did it, and ah, oh, nasty. Now, let me just ask you a question. Does the cup of salt getting that wrong, does that mean you got the butter wrong? No. Does that mean you got the sugar wrong? No. And on and on and on. No, you could have every single one of those things right. It's the detail here of the cup that is wrong because doesn't chocolate chip cookies have salt in it? It does. That may shock some of you guys, but it actually does. It does. Uh, sweet things will have salt in them to bring more of the flavor out. So what is really off here is what you need one of. It's not a cup, is it? It's probably, if I remember correctly, a quarter of a what? Teaspoon. A quarter of a teaspoon. The details matter. You see, in Christianity, this is what a lot of Christians will tell me. I'm a good father. Check. I go to church on Sunday. Check. I read my Bible throughout the week. Check. I teach my children to listen to their teachers and Sunday school leaders. Check. I give my tithes. Check. I make sure I vote for the right politics. Check. I make sure that I do good things for my neighbor. If they have trouble around their house or things, I take care of it. Check. And I look at pornography. Don't worry about that. And I also give to missions. That's what Christianity looks like today in the 21st century. Check, 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 check. Don't worry about that. Check. But the details matter. The details matter. Just like, and I'm going to pull this into the sermon now because I'm a good preacher. When I came up, sound system is good. This is working good. This is working good. Joe's getting a pop there. Oh, Internet's working good. We're still live. We're still going good. But program has failed. You see, you can have nine out of ten things right 
and still have one thing wrong that ruins all the other things. It's not the butter's fault, but the butter's ruined now. Can you extract the butter out of that mix after you've done all the mixing with a cup of salt and say, let's start over again? No, you've ruined the butter, though it wasn't the butter's fault. You cannot pull out those things now and say, let's start over again. It's been ruined. And listen to me, my friends. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we would all be rightly condemned as sinners. It's not that we haven't done good things in life. It's because we've sinned. And some would say, well, pastor, that's before Christ. No, even after Christ. How many people here, after you've accepted Jesus as a Christian, you still sinned? It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Can I get an amen if you have sinned since becoming a Christian? I have. So why don't we get thrown out with the garbage then? Because God gives us second and third and fourth chances, doesn't he? But now let me ask you this. Does that give us an excuse to keep serving him up nasty chocolate chip cookies? You see, if my kids made that honest mistake, they used the cup instead of the teaspoon, or they, they switched it around instead of the, the, what, the amount for the sugar, they used it for the salt, and we all tasted it and it was gross, and I forgive them. Do I now say to them, well, just serve it to me that way anytime because I just love you the way you are. No. What do I expect them to do now? Get the salt right. Get the sugar right. I expect them to grow and to learn and to not simply just brush it off and go, well, you're my dad. You'll eat whatever I make you. You're always going to be happy. And I'll be like, no, 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 no. If I'm truly your dad and you know that I love you and I support you, give me something good to support. Give me something to get behind that I'm proud of. Because I don't want you to serve me up things that I can't eat. I'm proud of you that you tried, but I want you to serve up something that I can eat and enjoy. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says we are offerings to God. We are being offered to God every day. Do you know that your Saturday was an offering to God? What did you give him yesterday? If I was to go through the hours of your day, what were you giving God? Would most of you say, yeah, it was good, it was good, it was good, but then I cussed out somebody in traffic. It was good, I was doing all the right thing, but then you know what? I spread gossip. I was, I was doing all the right things, I did, I did all the things I was supposed to do, but then you know I looked at that website that I'm not supposed to look at. And then you and I think, because God forgives us, which he does, that God wants us to stay that way. And he doesn't, and we don't take serious the things of God. Somebody say the details matter. Thank you. Turn with me to First Chronicles chapter 13, verse 1. I want to tell you two stories where the details matter, and there were severe consequences, and I hope there'll be a warning to our lives that even though God forgives us and he loves us, he expects us to change and do the things that he wants us to do. As the old saying goes, he loves us just the way we are, but too much to let us stay that way. The details matter to God. There's a story we're going to read now about David, and this is, it's supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to be fun. They're bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. It had been in a place that, of hiding because of the enemies of God, and they didn't have a temple yet or even the preparation for it, and so they kept it away, and they kept it like in a, a safe place. David now has a heart for the Lord. This was a centerpiece of their worship that was in the tabernacle of Moses. And so now David is going to get this, this piece that they're supposed to have in their temple and bring it into Jerusalem. And let's see if you can catch a detail that they missed because there's going to be a severe outcome. Look at First Chronicles chapter 13, verse 1. David conferred with each of his officers, the commanders of the thousands, commanders of the hundreds. He then said to the whole assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you, and if it's the will of the Lord our God, let us send word far and wide to the rest of our people throughout the territories of Israel and also to the priests and Levites who are with them in their towns and pasture lands to tell them to come and to join us. Everybody say there's going to be a party. There's going to be a party there. Verse 3, let us bring the ark of God back to us for we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. 
So, man, we need to get back to the ark. We need to get back to this sacred uh, monument here. The whole assembly agreed to do this because it seemed right to all the people. Verse 5, let's see if you catch it. It's coming up. So David assembled all of Israel from Shiar River in Egypt to Lebo Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kareth Jerem. David and all of Israel went to Baala of Judah, Kareth Jerem, to bring it up from there, the ark of the Lord. Who is enthroned before the cherubim? That's angels, the ark that is called by his name. Verse 7, they moved the ark of God by Abinadab's house on a new cart with Uzzah and Oio guiding it. David and all the Israelites were celebrating with all their might before God with songs, with harps, lyres, timbrels, cymbals, and trumpets. Anybody catch it? How many already know the story and know where the salt just entered in? The wrong way. Raise your hand if you already caught it. Yeah, we'll get to it in just a moment, but the mistake has already happened, but they don't know it. And some of you don't know it yet, too, so you're going to get it here in just a moment. But they're bringing in the ark on a cart. The band is playing. You could think of the marching band. They're, they're playing all these things, the tambrils, the cymbals, the trumpets, the, you know, the lyres, which is like their guitars. You can think of a mariachi band. You can think of the polka. You can think whatever you want. It is an exciting time. Here is the ark of God. Verse 9, when they came to the threshing floor of Kidon, Uzzah, watch this, reached out his hand to steady the ark because the oxen stumbled. So the ark's on a cart, the oxen stumbles, and it looks like the ark's going to fall over. Verse 10, the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah, and he struck him down because he had put his hand on the ark. So he died there before God. (laughs) Somebody say the details matter. Amen. I'm not trying to brainwash you, but we're washing your brain with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm not trying to do it, but I'm letting the Holy Ghost put something in you right now. The details matter. What went wrong in this story, man? We're getting the ark of God. Good thing. No problem. That's what we're supposed to do. We're going to have a celebration. That's what we're supposed to do. Where was the problem? They put it on an ark. They were supposed to carry it on poles on their shoulders. See, at this time, it was supposed to be Levites as well. At this time, some of you might say, well, that's so petty. Look at your God. He's so petty. First of all, he has a little ark that he needs. What's wrong with your God? My God's the universe. Your God is petty. No, my God is a God of details. I agree that God made everything, and when you go to the woods, God is there. You go to the beach, God is there. But here's the difference. You don't know how to worship God at the beach or at the forest or when you're out there taking a hike. God has to tell you how he wants to be worshipped, and he didn't just tell you to do it any old which way. Now, at this point, people can argue back and forth with us and say, well, that's just a book written by man that tells you how to worship God. Yeah, and who are you talking to me about how to worship God? An alien? Aren't you a human telling me, another human, about how you worship God? So humans tell other humans all, uh, stuff all the time. The question is whether or not humans are right about the stuff they tell. You see, people can give you recipes that are good, and people can give you recipes that are bad. The Bible's giving you the right one. That's another discussion on how we get there. But, hey, you're just a human giving me what you think God wants. I'm telling you what the prophets told me. God wants. And what God said was, these are the details. And the details matter. And so God is not being petty. God told them, when you move this, you move it by Levites on their shoulders. It was to show the nearness of their God and that their God is not an idol. They were supposed to know that the ark was not their God. You see, the gods of the nations looked like them, and they were idols. The gods of the Hebrew, or the God, rather, of the Hebrews was one God, and he said, don't make any image of me. 
So what was the Ark of the Covenant? It was a chest-like object that had two angels with their wings touching, and it was supposed to symbolize God is in your presence. So the angels were there. The throne or where the angels were covering was there. The seat, as they called it, the mercy seat was there. But God's image wasn't. You were supposed to know your God was of spirit, and your God is there. And your God is present there, and you treat it holy. And so God had said to them, this is how I want to be treated. I want Levites only to touch the ark that I appear at. Why? Because the Levites had a standard of holiness that went beyond even the normal gathering of the Jews. They couldn't serve as Levites if they had issues. They had to make sure that they were in a state of purity. And this was to show us that our God is holy, that our God is pure. Then they were supposed to carry the presence of the Lord as a symbol that God is with us, God is near us. But they weren't supposed to do it like how pagans do with their carts, with their uh, technology that God had not approved of. If he wanted a cart, he would have said he wanted a cart. Isn't that the problem with a lot of religion today? Oh, have you gone to this conference? Have you done that thing? Does it say here I have to go to a marriage conference to have a good marriage? Does it say I have to pay you $9.99 to get holy water to get an answer to prayer? Come on. See, why is it people add to the Bible when the Bible gave us what we need? The Bible says pray and believe in your heart and you shall have these things. The Bible says worry not but trust the Lord. All of these things we look at like we know better. Joe, you, you can't just expect young people to come if you preach the Bible. Man, you got to have up here a lot of illustrations, Joe, to keep the young people's attention. you got to have people dress up like the superheroes and do, and do church at the movies. But look at what God does with young people in this church. Seems like the Word of God keeps their attention just fine. Can I hear an amen? And the world wants to add to it. Well, you know what? We need an image now. Make an image of his mother Mary. Make an image of his disciples. Let's pray to them now. You see, the same kind of mistake that they made then is what we're now making. But you see, at this point, God wanted to teach them, it's so serious that people can die. What was Uzzah doing there with the ark anyways that he died? Did Uzzah try to do graffiti on the ark? Try to draw on the ark. And so God said, I'm going to strike you dead. You're trying to draw on the ark. What are you doing? Uzzah was here. Was he trying to deface it, defile it, spit on it? He tried to help it. He saw that when it was on the cart, it started to move like it was going to fall. God would have rather it fell that day. Because he's not the ark. He's not a cheap idol. God would have rather it fell that day in front of them to shame them for what they were doing than for another detail to be missed, which is, you don't touch this. And see, at this point, a lot of people want to get angry at God. That's just so unfair. You know, and, and people will bring this up to you like this. Do you think God is a God of love? And you'll be like, yeah, God loves everybody. And then they'll say, well, did God love Uzzah? And most people, will, Christians, will be perfectly set up for this. They'll be like, I don't even know who Uzzah is. Uh, who's Uzzah? And they'll say, oh, I can't wait to show you this. If your God loves everybody, look at this. Poor Uzzah just reaches out his hand to try to help the ark, which is God's anyway, to not fall, which God probably wouldn't want, right? And he puts his hand there to stop it from falling, and God strikes him down. Your God's worse than the devil. What do you say back to the sassy person on the street that says that to you? Oh, I'll ask my pastor. Oh, I just believe in Jesus. He makes me feel good because I feel goosebumps in church. You know what I would say to them? I don't care how good you were five seconds before this moment, but right now, if you were to touch a live wire from this building, what do you think would happen to you? You're dying. I don't care how many old ladies you helped across the street. I don't care how nice you were to your neighbor. I don't care how moral of a person you were. We crack open one of these boxes here. You touch it, you die. That is what Uzzah was supposed to understand about that ark. It's that clear. You don't touch it, Uzzah. You don't. 
Well, it's, you know, and, and I was in a hurricane once, and there were wires jumping around like this that had broken off. You know what I said to myself? I'm going to go put it back. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I was in Pensacola stuck in a hurricane, and wires were flapping around like this. And the last thing in my mind was to go, hey, I'm going to go plug it in. <laughs> not everybody in the Bible is smart. Some of them are stupid. And you're not supposed to be like them. You're supposed to look at Uzzah and go, that's what happens, Uzzah. But then you're supposed to immediately look back at yourself and go, what am I touching that I shouldn't touch? See, it gets quiet when the point comes home, but some of you got it. See, what are you touching that you're not supposed to touch? Well, Joe, it's just a girlfriend, and we're cool, and we don't go too far. Yeah, but is she a Christian? No, but she's a nice person. Check, check, check. But is she a Christian? Then you shouldn't be dating her. Well, pastor, you know, we all start off as girls in the womb, and then we take on our genitalia from there. Some become boys, some stay as girls. And there's this, you know, all this DNA stuff, and so transgender and all sexuality is fluid. Yeah, but God said when you come out the womb, you're male or female. Well, you know, well, Bible says God is a spirit. He's neither male or female. So we're made in his image, so it's fluid. No, Bible says call him Father. He's above genitalia, but he said, call me father. Understand it. Details matter. If you want to argue about whether or not you trust the Bible, that's now a different discussion. Now we're deciding whether or not this is a good recipe. But I can tell you this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I've had enough of your salt, nasty cookies. I'm not going back to them. Well, polyamory's in. Polyamory's always been in. Look at my Bible. It rebukes against orgies. It rebukes against perversion. Homosexuality's always been in. It's always been a part of culture. Murdering your children has always been in. Are you listening? They've been murdering their children since day one. Gangs and violence and jealousy over things always been in. How did Cain kill Abel? Murdered him. Or how did Abel die? Murder. See, nothing is new under the sun, my friends, but the details matter. I can taste and see how good God is. And you may get upset with me. You may say, well, I don't like that, Pastor. Listen, I'm not here to appease your feelings. I'm not here to appease my feelings. I love what one person said. I'm not putting up with my flesh, nor am I going to put up with yours. <laughs> you think, I, I can't have my sin, but I'm going to affirm your sin? You're talking to the wrong one. I'm denying my sin. Of course I'm going to tell you your sin is wrong because it's all sin to God. You see, here we learn something about God, and I love this with uh, some fictional stories that have come out to describe things about God. Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis has the, the lion there, Aslan, to help us understand what Jesus is like. It's a fictional telling of a story, and you can't take it all as the Bible, but it's based off of it if you've ever read the Chronicles of Narnia. And the lion, he gives his life. Here's spoiler alert. It's been out since the 50s, by the way. Uh, but spoiler alert, the lion gives himself for the kids, and they win the battle with the lion, okay? But then at the end of the story, the little girl, she's fallen in love with the lion. It's the hero. She, you know, she sees him as her hero, and she just wants to hang out with the lion. And at the end, someone tells her he's a good lion. He's a peaceful lion, but he's not a tame lion. He is a dangerous lion. He's not here to be your pet. Sometimes we think God is our servant and we're actually in charge. God, do I have your attention? Don't you see me here? I'm broke. Get me a job, God, that I like. God, don't you see I'm lonely? Bring me somebody, God. And if, and if, they're, and if they're not here quickly, God, then I'm going to go date this person over here that's been stalking me and coming in my DMs. So you better, God. You better or else. That's how we talk to God. Well, I don't believe in God because of all the problems in the world. Who do you think made those problems? <laughs> Have you ever read this book? 
He's the one fixing them every time we make them. Hello, somebody. He tried to tell us not to go eat that tree from that tree that would bring death. That's what, that's what a disease looks like in a child. It's death. That's what disease looks like in an adult. Death. That's what all of this looks like. He said, this will bring death. Now we have it in the human race, and then we complain all the time. Well, things die, and I don't like it, God. I just wish everything would live forever. I tried that, and you didn't want it. Remember when you were all naked in the garden, and you didn't have to worry about your job? It was providing. You didn't have to worry about the competition of, of you know, corruption and all of those. I gave you that. You chose what the serpent wanted. And by the way, don't feel sorry for Adam and Eve because you and I have done it just like them a hundred times since Monday. We break our word, we tell our lies, we make our excuses, and we think that we're better than them, and we would have done it just as quick, if not quicker. And yet we feel like we, we, we deserve something here. The God of heaven and earth has got to be tamer than electricity because I get to touch his stuff whenever I want and not get zapped. My friends, he made what you call the sun and said, let there be light. Yes, I believe in the Big Bang. God said it and bang, it happened. You think you're going to come around God any which way and the details not matter? Now notice David's reaction in verse 11. Then David rejoiced in the Lord, saw the error of his ways, humbled himself, and wept before God. Is that what it says in verse 12, uh, verse 11? It says, then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, the place is called Para-Uzzah. You see, David got angry at God. You think you're the first person here to get angry at God? People get angry at God all the time and take it out on me. Any Christian here ever had the anger of, of what people have towards God brought out against you? People see me do this, honk, make loud noises, do whatever, mock us, ridicule us. They do all that they do, and you know what? I don't even know them. Why do you hate me so much? I haven't even got to know you yet to offend you. How do you know that about me? Oh, I'm really like that? No, thank you. I don't want to do that to myself. Why are they so angry at me when I go out and preach? They're angry at God. But then at the same time, they say God doesn't exist. God doesn't exist, but I hate him. <laughs> Does anybody carry around just an intense anger towards Santa Claus today? Have you met anybody just walking around with an intense anger? But doesn't he make judgments about who's naughty and who's nice? But do you see anybody carrying around an intense anger? Like when someone is doing the, uh, the, the dress up as Santa Claus, doing that thing over there. Do you ever see anybody in the mall go, he's not real. You're not real. You're not real. I'm as naughty as I want to be. You're not real. But you see people do that when we preach. Jesus isn't real. Look at me, Juke. Come here, two girls kissing in front of me. Oh, look at us. We'll take off our clothes. One woman sat and peed in front of us. Logan Square. I have it on video. Peed right in public. You ever see them do that for Santa Claus? I don't care what you think is naughty or nice. I don't believe in you. you pee right there in the mall. You came to a real church, amen? People always say, well, where's the church? Where's you? We're right here. Look at how you treat us. When you finally get a real church that goes out of the four walls, look at how they treat us. You know why people do that? Because they're angry at God. They're angry at him. How dare you, God, tell me who I love is wrong. I'll love who I want to love. How dare you, God, tell me I can't fall in love with this secretary. My wife hasn't been good to me. She doesn't deserve me. How dare you tell me that? How dare you tell me I can't kill what's in my body? It's a clump of cells. It's my body. I want to hear what you have to say. How dare you tell me, God, that I'm going to go to hell? You're going to put me in hell? Well, if that's what you're going to do, I would rather reign in hell than be a servant in heaven. 
You heard these things before? People are angry at God. Because there's two unmovable facts. You're between a rock and a hard place. And it makes people mad. You ever tell a child no? Hey, anybody ever tell a child no before? They want to do something. You've told them no. How does that generally work for the ages around three, four, or five? <laughs> That's what we look like to God. We're being told no because we're in between a rock and a hard place. I won't change. And God's saying, I change not. Well, I won't listen to you. And he says, listen to me. Now what is left? Only hell. That's what hell is. Hell is the place where you are moved when you have not moved yourself. Hell is a place for those who choose not to follow God. God lets us make the choice, but he makes the consequence. You exist, and there's no way around that. You can try to pretend you don't exist. You can try to think about you not existing. I'm just going to become nothing and, and, and think myself into non-existence. Meditate. What are you meditating on? Me not existing. How do you do that as a me thinking? You're also thinking about a me not existing. How does that work? And they don't even get the little spiral of nonsense they put themselves in. I'm thinking about not existing so I don't become an I. Yeah, but it's the I that's thinking about not existing. How does that work? I know it fries your noodle. I said it twice. Some of you are just like, I don't get it, Pastor. Just move on. Okay, I will. But people think to themselves, oh, I'm going to get out of my own existence by meditation. No, you won't. You're still existing. Like if I would have saw Buddha that day under the tree, and I've been to Nepal where they take it very serious, so I don't mean this as a disrespect towards people. I'm just saying it's foolishness. If I would have saw, uh, you know, Buddha that day, and he just came out of that meditation, I have reached nirvana. No, you haven't. You just stink. You've been there all day. Take a shower, man. Oh, I, I can walk on rice paper. I am now, I am zen. I am, no, you're not. You're just a dude with bad breath. Seriously. We, and I don't mean this as mockery, as a shocking way to be a, a shock jock. I mean this in the mockery when Jesus told the Jews, you're whitewashed tombs. I'm trying to help you see the error of the way. You have done nothing but play make-believe. You still exist. Other people out of anger, and if you look at the mindset of those who commit suicide, you read their letters, you study it as I have, you talk to uh, professional counselors who study the subject, the number one reason that they have tracked through their letters and through their, um, their actions with the counselors is repressed anger. Self-murder is a violent act. Your body is doing everything it can to stop you from doing it. Have you ever accidentally choked? Anybody here? What did your body start doing? Did it go like, hey, I, I'm cool with this, let me die? No, your body's like... <laughs> Your body's doing everything it can to stop choking. That's why when people do that to themselves, they have to bypass themselves, put themselves to sleep with so many that after they're asleep, the sleeping pills keep kicking until it stops their heart. Or they hang themselves to where their hands can't stop it because even out of reaction, instinct, like as if you touched a hot flame, you move before you told yourself to move. You would be trying to rip it off from you. Most suicide, not all, most suicide is anger. Anger at what? I don't want to be here anymore. You don't get to do that to me. Read some of their letters. Read some of them. She did this to me. She did that to me. She won't get the last laugh. I've read them here in church before to wake people up who are dealing with this, to show you the spirit behind what it is. It's murder. And yet people are so angry with God. I will take my life. There is no mercy for those who have broken God's commands on Judgment Day. I want everyone to understand this. God is not sitting on Judgment Day listening to your story going, oh, really? I'm so sorry my commands made you feel that way. And, oh, and that was the only solution? Okay, well, come on. That's not God. Depart from me, for I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. 
Well, pastor, that's going to scare people. One person said to me, so your solution to suicidal people is to scare the hell out of them. And I said, yes and amen. One of the first things of judgment, put it up for me, Revelation, I believe, chapter 20, but for the cowardly, self-murder is a cowardly act. God is very serious. Cowards go to hell. Living for Jesus takes boldness and courage. Courage is in the face of all fear, including the fear against harming yourself. So I do not deny the problems that suicidal people face. I'm just telling you, take courage. God is with you. Look it up if you can't find it uh, immediately in that passage. See, David got angry with God, and he said, God, how dare you do this? Because, God, it was my plan, and we were rejoicing, and we were having fun, and, God, you ruined the party. But God gets to make the rules of how the party goes, does he not? Come on, I said, does God make the rules? He does. Look at it in verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, and so forth and so on, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Cowardice is a sin, and it's the first one listed. Please, my friends, do not play with this life. Do not use your own fears. I have talked to people, not just those from the LGBT community. I'm talking about those in all kinds of communities have told me, but I'm afraid this sin is too much for me. The Bible says, pray to the Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from all evil. That is the prayer of courage. So if you are here today and you're saying, I'm afraid to leave my gang. I'm afraid to leave my job because my, you know, I've been committing a, you know, uh, you know, different sins there on the job. Or you know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to, to turn against this lifestyle. Or I'm afraid to get away from pornography. Or I can't live without marijuana. All these different things you may be afraid of. The Bible says take courage. You're in a fight. If anybody ever told you Christianity was something other than a fight, they lied to you. Well, somebody told me at this nice church that the church was a hospital. Yes, on a battleship. You are in a fight for your soul, and the details matter. And yes, I'm here today wearing a casual shirt with an anime guy preaching in jeans, and I'm doing all of this because I love to be cool and relevant as a young adult, getting to be a middle-aged man, still considering myself a young adult, but... I'm here to tell you seriously that just as quickly as Uzzah died and suffered for it, you will too, and so will I. Because many of us are touching things we're not supposed to. Turn with me now quickly to Acts. Somebody say, make it plain. Thank you. Our last story for today, and then we'll dismiss. Thank you for your time and attention today. Acts chapter 5. Because sometimes people say, well, that was just Jesus in the Old Testament. Before he had his coffee, he was cranky. That was just Old Testament Jesus, cranky Jesus, before coffee Jesus. No, no, no. The Bible's very clear. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So anybody who brings to you these arguments that you should be angry with God too, say, no, man, read the book of Revelation. It's a lot worse even there. But where is the hope in all of this? Trust me, we're getting there. But I think I've said it a bunch of times already, the details the hope is that the Holy Spirit is with us every day reminding us of those details. The Bible says none of us are brought into temptation without a way of escape. Do you know that every temptation you and I will ever face, there is a way of escape? Somebody say a cheat code. Come on, anybody ever play video games know about cheat codes up in here? Come on. I got my son raising his hand. Come on, cheat codes. Do you know the cheat code? We used to play Mario Brothers. Uh, it was like left, left, right, right, up, down, up, down, you know. And then you got the cheat code. Then you couldn't die or you got 100 lives. The cheat code. You know what the cheat code is? It's the Holy Spirit's guidance in every uh, place of your life. Because otherwise you will miss the details. But God doesn't leave us alone. He said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit and he will lead you into all truth. But let me show you another New Testament example. Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With uh, his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. He brought the rest of it and put it at the apostles' feet. So it sounds like they're doing pretty good in life. I mean, they wouldn't sold a property. Doesn't sound like it was their own, so they're not homeless anymore. So you know if you can sell a piece of property and still own a property, you're doing pretty good. Can I hear an amen? Come on, get wise to what's going on in real estate. Right now we're getting ready for the bubble to pop. After it pops, buy it up again and sell it again. Repeat, amen? All right, now listen to what the Bible says. They had some property, they sold it, but they kept back part of it. Did the wife know about it, yes or no? Yeah, the wife did know about it. 
And then they put the rest at the apostles' feet. And if you could just see this, this would be like the party we just saw with the, uh, the tambourines and the trump and all that. You know, here they come. The millionaires of the church. Here they come. I once had a person say to me, Pastor, how do I give $10,000 in the church? I was like, how everybody gives a dollar in the church. You drop it in the offering bucket, dude. What are you, what are you asking that for? But then I figured it out as I got to be a little bit older in the ministry. What he was wanting to do was just like let me know what he was dropping in the offering bucket. You might be sitting next to someone who's given 100000 in this church. We've had that and we've had a dollar. But guess what? I'm still preaching the same. So you need to give the same. If you made a million dollars this year, how much do you tithe to the Lord? 100,000, 10%. If you made a dollar, young lady, because your grandma just gave you a dollar, what do you give to Jesus? A dime. Have you ever heard the joke about the kid getting ice cream with the dime? I'll tell it to you because we got time. Amen? We got time. So this young girl, she had her tithe, and she had to give it because grandma gave her a dollar, and you give God a dime. That's what you give, 10% back to the Lord. Can I hear an amen? And so the grandmother said, I can't go to church with you today. Maybe she wasn't feeling well, but she said to that little girl, here's what you got. You got your dime. You got to give that to the Lord. You put that in the tithing offering, okay, in the tithing offering bucket. And then here's another dime. This was the day you could do this. You go out and get yourself some ice cream on the way home from church. You tracking with me? Cultures used to be like this. A girl going to church with some money back and forth buying ice cream, okay? Let's go back to that day in Chicago, amen? So anyway, she's going to church, and you know, just like little kids, she's playing with her dime. She's got the one for the Lord and one for the ice cream, and she's just playing with her dime. But as she plays with it, one drops, goes down into the street, and then rolls into the drain. There it goes. You know what she says? Oh, there went God's dime. <laughs> I still have mine, thank God. Isn't that how we are as sinners? But now as Christians, how are we? As sinners, we always think that way. Well, I want to help. I want to help. Oh, but all these bills came up. There goes my help. But as Christians, aren't we tempted to do that? Well, I'll tithe. I'll tithe. But then this comes up. This comes up. Well, there goes God's tithe. Thank God I still have Netflix money. Of course, God would want me to have that. And sure enough, Amazon needs to keep employees going. So I got to keep them employed. So here they... They, they thought maybe they would have a celebration. You know, the church would be so happy. Look at them, Mr. and Mrs. Big Bucks. They sold a property, gave it, uh, given a portion of it to the church. This should be a good day. But now look at what Peter says, verse 3. Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to who? The Holy Spirit, because he's here with us. And have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. And then now right here, people can get upset. How dare God do that? That was their house. They had been watching the games on that TV show. They learned how to flip or dip or one of those TV shows. They, they learned how to make money. That was their money. Peter, how dare you deny that they, they can't have it. They worked hard for it. Listen to what Peter had. Look at what he says here. Verse 4. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? Somebody say, yes, it did. Rhetorical questions need to be answered in the Bible. Listen to what Peter asked them. Did it belong to you before it was sold? Did it? Yes or no? Yes, it did. And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? Yes or no? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just lied to human beings, but to God. So what did they do? Just fill in the blanks. They must have made a promise off of that that they didn't have to make. And then they broke that promise. Somebody say the details matter. You see, it was their land before they sold it. It was their land after they sold it. They could have did whatever they wanted with it. Now, technically, as we learned today, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So it all technically belongs to God, but God allows us to be stewards. God allows us to be a manager over these things he gives us. And so Peter was saying, hey, God has told me this is not the full amount. Now we could look it up on Zillow uh, and see what they paid for and what they sold, you know, sold it for, whatever. But no, the Holy Spirit told Peter, that wasn't the full amount. Why did you lie? You could have did whatever you wanted with it. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. You all want me to take up another offering so you can get it right? Because <laughs> can, that can happen in church. Think about that. 
lie about giving an offering, and a person died in church. Is that the Bible? Yes or no, is that the Bible? Now, for those who are Christians here, if you're not a Christian, I might have just read to you cat in the hat. It doesn't matter to you. But I'm asking Christians, does that matter to you? In a New Testament church, a godly couple said they were going to give money to the church out of a property they had sold, which in our day and age, come on, you sell a property in Chicago, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Shouldn't we have just been happy? Shouldn't Peter, shouldn't the leaders have been happy? Not at all. The details matter. Now watch this. And great fear seized all those who heard what happened. Then some young men, like we have in the church here, what, they took the person, wrapped them up, and buried them. So imagine the ushers now being your pallbearers. That's what happened in that church. So let me say, help us, Jesus. I believe the Bible. And about three hours later, his wife came in. Details matter. Now she is going to stand account for what she knows because it says in the story that she knew about this. And she didn't know what had happened, though, with her husband. And then Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yeah, pastor. I was working Sunday. You should be happy some of you don't drop dead with all the lies you tell me. I couldn't come to the outreach Saturday, pastor, because sweet Aguela was in the hospital. I wish I could have a reality camera tracking you around as you were at the barbecue that day. Listen to what she does. She picks up the lie of her husband and says, yup, yup, that's it. Yeah, 350000 that, that that's it. And she knows she sold it for 400000 Yeah, 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 that's it, 350000 Yeah, that, that's it, that's it, that seems right. Now, what does he say to her? How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen. The feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell dead at his feet, and fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out, buried her beside her husband. Imagine now the parking lot becoming the burial ground, the ushers becoming the pallbearers. And verse 11 says, great fear seized the whole church. And all who heard about these events. And how many know you're kind of scared right now too? And if you're not scared, you don't take the Bible serious. If you're, let's just be really honest right now. If you heard the two stories that I just told you and you're like, eh, I don't really believe all that stuff. Then you are not a Christian. Remember this. We believe a God who spoke the entire universe into existence. What is it like for God to turn off the light switch of somebody's soul and right in front of you they die? If you're a Christian, do you believe that God created the heavens and the earth? Do you believe as a Christian that God split the Red Sea? Well, then God judges people who don't keep up with his details. Now in closing, Lawrence, would you come, please? Thank you for your patience. I don't want to beat you up. I want to give you hope. But how many just felt the fear of that? You should. It's called the fear of the Lord. And the Bible says it's the beginning of wisdom. Read the book of Proverbs. You and I should walk away from this going, the details matter. What I do alone in a room when no one's looking matters. When I got, I hear my wife saying amen. If, if no one else saying amen, my wife got my back. Anyone going to say amen to that? I said, what you do in a room by yourself matters. When I first got saved, God delivered me from a lot of things. But the last time I had sex with myself was a few months later after that in 96. In 96, when I was the first year of Bible college. But I made a determination between me and the Lord that that detail mattered. That purity mattered, even though I had had sex before as a teenager, and I had looked at pornography all throughout my young adult years, being introduced to it by a friend, that I was no longer going to look at pornography, have sex with myself, or violate myself. That was in 96. When my wife and I got married in 2005, that was the day the fireworks went off. Can I hear an amen? How many know God blesses those who wait on him? Okay. But you know what? And I always tell this testimony to young men. I want to see these young men be pure as well as everyone else here as well. Nobody gave a rip about that. That day, as my wife and I consummated our marriage, no one came out of the closet. Here's a man that's been pure for almost 15 years or whatever. Like, like there was none of that. 
You know, there, there, was, there was no, uh, you know, just amazing moment there, almost 10 years rather. There was no celebration. Like, oh, wonderful job. You haven't looked at pornography and done nasty stuff. Good, I guess. Okay. Like, nobody cared. And I sat there in my wedding, you know, honeymoon suite, and, and I thought to myself, did it matter? And you know what God said? The details matter. That's what God told me on my honeymoon night. The details matter. So one day, and I'm just going to keep it real with you, you're going to see me in the kingdom of God. We're going to have crowns that represent our lives, the jewels of our life. This is amazing. I believe that's also true. And there's going to be this one that's going to bling so hard that sometimes when the dudes get around me, they're going to be like, Joe, I can barely look at you. you. You got a bling on you that I don't really have. You know what I'm going to say? It's not looking at porn, dude, now for 20 years. That's why I got this one. And they're going to be like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Because <laughs> I only got redeemed from porn the day I died. <laughs> that was the last time I looked at it, Joe. The day I died is the day I looked at it last. I say that in a, in a way to make God look good, not me. Because I was a pervert. I was a reckless man in sexuality. Okay? But God made me pure and he told me, this matters. Matters. Details matter. What you do with your body. You know, sometimes we feel like, what's my body? You know, I'll do what I want with it. And literally, it was my body. It's still in my body, you know. And these are my eyes. Why can't I do it? God says, it matters to me. Because I didn't make you, Joe, to look at people other than your wife naked and to have sex that way. That's not why you were made. You didn't get a hand and a sexual organ for that. Hello, somebody. I'm giving you PG-13 messages because you get rated R ones every day of the week. Okay? Another thing that God spoke to me about was not taking his name in vain or cursing. And I haven't cursed since the day I had given my heart to Jesus. Just something about it just changed. And some of you, you take the name of the Lord in vain like it's not a big deal. You need to wake up to the reality that the details matter. When you stub your foot, why don't you say, oh, Hitler? You ever thought about that? Why is it when we stub our feet, we don't say, Omar Gaddafi, Mao Zedong. Some of you don't even know these dictators, you know. Jeffrey Dahmer. We say, the precious Lamb of God, the one who died on the cross for you and me, we say his name in vain. You see a dude slap another dude at the Emmys or Oscars, whatever, because he has his wife's name in his mouth, and you put God's name in your mouth like that, and you think you're going to heaven. Can you put up the recipe, please? I don't say this, that I'm better. I'm giving you hope, but you got to hear this one last time in closing. Well, I'm a good person. I go to church, I, but I take his name in vain. My friend, there's a place called hell for that. Wake up. Well, I know pastors that do it. There's a place, there's a special place in hell for pastors who do it. I'll be the first one to say a lot of my kind going to hell. Pastors will go to hell. Pastors, I'm going to say it again, will go to hell. Things that you've heard they did, they're going to hell. That breaks my heart. My friends are going to hell who used to be Christians. One friend that I have that was six years, uh, six kids, 20 years serving the Lord, had almost a radical testimony, just like me. We have different stories, though. Had to work some side jobs, Uber, went back into crack. Could you imagine me not showing up one Sunday? And then you ask, where's Pastor Joe? And they tell you the truth. He went back to crack. The devil's alive. You know, the devil's a liar. He hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy my family. He wants to destroy our nation. He wants to take everything good that we have. This is supposed to be a great day, you know? This, this is supposed to be when we all sit around the table and enjoy. We're supposed to want to all get together and have chocolate chip cookies, you know? But someone wasn't paying attention when they wrote down the recipe. And now we got to all spit it out. And you know, you're supposed to have a blessed family. 
And you're supposed to have a blessed school year that's coming up, young people. And you're supposed to enjoy the rest of your summer. And you're supposed to have a blessed marriage. Amen? You adults here. And you're supposed to go home today in your car and be at peace. But you see, some of you are letting this slip in. And the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you as the band and altar workers come now. The Holy Spirit will speak to you because I'm not up in your business. And God have mercy if I'm a hypocrite. But God will speak to us about what we need to change today. What needs to get out or what needs to be adjusted. Some of the things just need to get all the way out of your life. There's no place for it. Others, it's the difference between a quarter of a cup and a full cup. Some from the LGBT community, you know what? God has called them not to marry, but to have friendships that go deep in life. I was mentored by a woman that was like that. And we never looked down on her. So it's not like she denies her unattractiveness to some men or whatever. It's not like, you know, because some ladies may say, well, I'm not attracted to men. Okay. But the attraction you feel towards women is sinful and ruins the whole thing. But if you're not attracted to men, we're not here to force you to have, have a heterosexual marriage. I've even heard of pastors asking people in their church to watch porn to try to get attracted to the opposite sex. The devil's a liar. But there has been holy men and women of God who have been celibate to give their life to the Lord. Are you listening to me today? And that's honorable. And so some would say, well, I'm not attracted to men. I'm not in that kind of way, or I'm not attracted to women. Okay, well then remain celibate. Adjust from a cup of salt to a quarter teaspoon of salt. And then there's other things that you just got to get out. It would be like, you know, having this up there, and then I put anthrax in the recipe. And it's like, find what doesn't belong there, kids. Anthrax. You know? You know, there's some things that, you, that God doesn't want to redeem. And you just got to get out your life. Like murdering of children doesn't belong anywhere in your life. You don't want to murder your children. We'll adopt your child if you do not want them. Okay? And we're working with adoption agencies to help those that are there now. That's what our church does, okay? But if you don't want your child or you hear of someone else that doesn't, we will work with them, adopt them. One of the families uh, that we had, it was a woman rather, uh, that didn't want her child. And then we put her into a hotel to make sure she was safe because she was to the point of delivery. She ended up having the child and then she wanted to be a mother. And praise God, she's a mother today. But we had a family lined up ready to adopt the baby once the child was born. Some things God is going to say get all the way out of your life. Other things God is going to say adjust. But you now have to be honest with what he's telling you. Because the details matter. The details matter. How do you build your friendships in life? How are you looking at the opposite sex? How are you guarding your integrity? What are you doing with your finances? These are the things that God's people should care about. See, David, if you read back in the chapter 15, which I didn't have time to get into, but David in chapter 15 goes back and says, you know what? I blew it. Get the Levites. Have them carry the ark. Let's do it the right way. And then God blessed them. The story of the book of Acts goes on and talks about people selling their houses and land and giving it to the church. And the Bible says that there was so much charity that was done among them that there was nobody in need. See, it looks better when we do it right. Life goes a lot better when we do it right. Our lives taste better to those around us when we do it right. But you and I have to be honest with ourselves and say, Lord, give me the recipe what is the recipe God what do I do with this thing that you call my purpose what does it look like and each one of us is going to have a different recipe how many have ever had chocolate chip cookies with nuts in them yeah I like nuts in my chocolate chip cookies how many of you have oatmeal chocolate chip cookies Come on, Lauren makes the best. You see, our lives are now going to look different. You may be an oatmeal chocolate chip cookie. Mine might be a chocolate chip cookie with nuts. 
I'm married and have six kids. You might be single. You might just have a few as you get married. I have my hair. He's lost his hair. I'm kidding. There's the recipe God had for us. I'm tall, you're short. No, I'm kidding. How about this? You're sexy, I'm ugly. <laughs> I know. Uh, where do we go from here? We go to the recipe, don't we? We go to the Word of God. We go, for, we go to the Lord in prayer. Before we leave, can I pray with you? We'll stand up in just a moment. We'll stand up in just a moment. But before we do, right where everyone's seated, can you just talk to the Lord about the recipe for your life? Ask the Lord, how's it going? Come on, Lord, help us. Jesus, we need you. Show us the recipe. Lord, do we have too much of something, not enough of something? Lord, do we have some things that don't belong or are some things missing? The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And then it talks about the bad things, the sins, the deeds of the flesh. Find out what God's saying to you right now about those things. You need more love. You need more love. You, you don't have enough. I'll give you more. Ask. Come on, that's how I think God's going to talk to us right now. Others of you, God's going to say, oh, no, there's some perversion here. There's some issues here. Get that out. Get that out. You're not going to like how that tastes in life. A few moments right now, Lord, search my heart. Start with me right now, God. I don't want to be a hypocrite, God. I don't want to be a fake pastor, God. Lord, I want to be holy. I want to be righteous. I want my recipe to taste right to my family. I want it to be a recipe that I can pass down to generation. Come on, some of you right now are Christians for the first time in your family. Don't you want a family recipe to pass down from generation to generation? This recipe, your character, your character. Come on, Lord. I pray my character, God, can be that which is multiplied, handed down to my children, to my children's children. In the name of Jesus right now, if that's you, if you believe it, would you just ask him right now to make it real? Make it real. Come on. This is not make-believe. Make it real, Jesus. God's the one that talked to me. I've even had pastors come to me. Joe, I don't even get that much of a testimony from pornography and stuff like that. How did you do that? You know what I always tell them? God spoke it to me. God put it in my recipe. you got to ask him for it, though. A few moments we'll dismiss, but even if you're moved so to come now, you can. But we'll dismiss. Would you ask God to make it real? Make it real, God. Make it real, God. A few more moments, a few more moments, and then we'll dismiss. Because God cares about you. God cares about you. God cares about what you taste like today. God cares about your recipe. It matters to God. It matters to God. Father, do it right now. All the secret areas, all the things we hide underneath the bed, the closets of our lives, the things that we don't even share with our loved ones, bring it out. Get the junk out today, God. Adjust our lives, O oh Lord. Give us purity, Jesus. Give us purity, wholeness, God. I'm going to rebuke the devil just for a few moments before we stand up because I feel that like some of you are in a spiritual battle. And I rebuke you, Satan. You know I'm talking to you, you lying devil and demons who come to mess up this recipe, who come to change the character of these people. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You've come against me, and I know you come against them. Loose them and let them go now. I pray for your lies to be exposed, you cockroach, in the name of Jesus. I pray for them to see you for what you are. You're a liar. You're the father of lies, and we rebuke you now. Come out of your hiding place. You cannot have these precious sons and daughters of God. They belong to Jesus. In the name of Jesus, if something has broke off you when I prayed that, just start to say, set me free, Lord. Set me free, Jesus. Set me free, Jesus, because the devil has to go right now. Today's a new day for you. This is the start of a new beginning. Hallelujah. Those of you who can, you can stand up. Thank you for your time of prayer. We'll dismiss in just a moment. But if you got to stand, go ahead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, for every person coming for prayer. 
There is no judgment here. Forgiveness and grace is here running like a river. Hallelujah. 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 The recipe's made right today. Hallelujah. Someone's walking out here with the fullness of God today. Someone's going to taste and see that the Lord is good today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a plan for your life. Don't let the devil mess it up. The details matter. What are gangs today? Gangs are families with the details that are wrong. Come on, what are gangs? They're families with the wrong little detail. Instead of killing, we stand up and fight injustice. That's what we fight, not each other. Hallelujah. God's going to switch it around today. Addictions are good things normally abused. People get addicted to food. They get addicted to medicine. All of these things were put here for our good. Be set free from addictions. Let nothing have mastery over you except Jesus Christ, your master. A few moments, a few moments. God's going to turn around your life today. I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it, Father. I know you'll do it again. I've seen you do it so many times. You're a good, good Father. Can we sing that out in closing? And I'll pray and dismiss. And those who want to stay and keep praying and worshiping, you can. Father, I thank you for this service. I pray you start with me and then with everyone else that we get the recipe right, Father. That we pay attention to the details of our lives. Thank you for our sound men. Thank you for everything working together at the end here. And we pray you bless us this week as we go our separate ways, but never separated from your presence. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we bless the Lord, say? God bless you. Fight the good fight. We'd love to pray with you. You can worship with us. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Thank you for coming, young people. Good to see you. Hallelujah.